0: So this is going to be eventually translated into a documentary. I may even do some of the video myself. Not a hundred percent, but let's uh let's go on a story ride. So and there. Mid 2000s, you know, I was tr- progressing through this process of uh, transformation and, you know, worked all these fast food jobs, you know, your Dunkin' Donuts and your Pizza Hut and your Chipotle and just. Every terrible fast food job you possibly could have, and uh I don't think anybody can ever be successful at it, so I guess there's that, but you know, I was working these jobs and, and it was really going nowhere, and you know, my dad was a cop for twenty something years, and so i uh I eventually got my Cleveland private police training which uh, in other parts of the country is a constable. And, uh, you know, get the training, and, you know, we're going through, you know, our force on force and handcuffing and Glock training and M4 and whatnot. And you've got all these military friends, you know, they're doing this sort of stuff too. And, you know, they're all, uh, they all come back from GWAT. They never really talked about it, the initial guys who did the and. 2003, 4, 5, and 6 time period, and that was rough. You know, nobody talked about that time period because it was absolute bullshit. And, uh, so getting this training, and I ended up working downtown in Cleveland. And if you look on some of the Bone Thugs and Harmony music videos, Euclid and East 19th, something like that, maybe. Um, that was where I worked and uh, those streets have racked up bodies uh, thousands and thousands of people have died on those streets and that was what I patrolled i uh, working for a housing authority and um, you know what I looking back now some of the most dangerous work that we would do so me and a partner um, I'll call him a I'll call him Thor for lack of a other nicknames giant dude african-american guy six foot eight 350 you know if there's gonna be problems I'm not fighting you you're going through Thor <laughs> because he's uh <laughs> he's the big guy in this situation and if he's got to bring out a gun there's a problem because he's already beating you into the ground so there's that and uh so no, I've got my uh and they didn't give us a vehicle, so our, our, uh, our patrol vehicle um, for the housing authority, since we couldn't get one from the, the police um, department for the district, wouldn't give us a vehicle, so we're using a uh, broken-down Crown Victoria... You know, it's worth just absolutely nothing. It barely runs, you know, so we're we're in this thing, you know, and it's got the the divider and all that, you know, so he's just scrunched up in that. So we gave up. We're like, you know what, screw it. This isn't even worth it. We'll just use my car. So we're driving around in this uh, Subaru, you know, going to all the different uh, housing authority properties and whatnot, and, you know, we've got a at night we have to clear these buildings so there will be hood rats doing their normal thing drug dealing and whatnot and so we've got to clear out the laundry facilities and entrances and whatnot and do it by gunpoint because it's pretty pretty dangerous so every single day we're clearing these buildings (laughs) day in day out and that was our job Um, like in a a war zone or something like that Um, and we uh, know we were doing that for a while and uh, you know thankfully I never gotten any heated uh, heated um, issues in that that uh, that position and I went off to work at another housing authority um, in Akron and you know what I didn't realize is in this this housing authority there had literally been thousands and thousands of deaths there too in Akron and uh, so here I am you know patrolling these places and every week there's a new new event and people fighting each other and killing each other and you know doing God knows what and uh, so you know the event that sticks out of my mind the big one was there's a there was a fight that broke out between two people and i we really didn't know why And we go up to the car and uh, the guy's yelling with this girl but you don't know why and she's blue and so i go to give her cpr you know get her out of the car start doing cpr just keep going and keep going and keep going and uh, finally the emt showed up and um you know they put her in the back of the, the ambulance and uh then I looked behind me and finally the you know other officers showed up and the 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 guy who had given this girl the heroin and why she was you know essentially dead um, was fighting the two officers whatever and um, then a pack of people just came up around us and like oh he didn't do nothing he didn't do nothing wrong he's a good boy he's gonna go to college He's getting his life right. He's fighting the cops and just pummeling them. This guy's 6'5", 280, just pummeling these guys. And they're trying to tase him, and it's not working. And uh, finally, they're able to pile on the guy and subdue him, whatever. But, yeah, these cops are like, you know, 150 pounds, 100 pounds. They're no match for some guy that's just this big and just destroying them with hits. And... Uh, Uh, You know, we're getting surrounded by like 30 people or whatnot, and and the whole situation is just getting completely out of control, turning into a riot. They're throwing stuff at us, and we're trying to cordon off the area while they're trying to subdue this guy or whatnot, and it just turns into a complete cluster. And uh, so finally things calm down, and uh, 20 or 30 officers all show up and try to take over, and we just get out of there. We're like, nope, we're good. Like other guys have showed up, you know, we're not handling this. Uh, This is not our, not our job um, to do crowd control and that sort of stuff when you got, you know, a bunch of other people. And uh, since we have to write the reports for why, (laughs) why we showed up and, and this guy uh, attempted to murder some girl with, uh, with heroin. And uh, so weeks go by and I find, Hey, girl survived. I saw her for a couple of minutes and thankfully I was able to do CPR and um, EMT showed up. It that was a pretty, you know, dramatic effect. And kind of fast forward to a couple of years later and I end up at another housing project and I get my special conservator of the piece, like a, a constable. And uh here I am patrolling the patrolling the ghetto again. And uh another uh another riot breaks out on my first day that I'm there we've got sixty people part of the housing authority trying to stop our fellow officer from arresting this girl and she's all beaten up on my partner or whatever. She's like Two fifty five foot, just jacking this guy up, you know, <laughs> we really don't know what to do because it's like, okay, she's, she's pretty big and we're trying to get her, get her cuffed, but the, the, the cuffs won't connect, you know, she's just too big, we finally get two cuffs, clink them together and put them on or whatever to get her get her uh, handcuffed and whatnot, but it just turned into complete disaster. And <laughs> so it's like, it's a girl, right? So, you know, we, we were trying to do the right thing or whatnot, other than, you know, if you're getting beat up, you know, you you probably shouldn't hit somebody, but, you know, in that situation, you might want to just deck them and just put them on the ground. But <laughs> she, he was no match, you know, 100, 110 pounds, you know, just 110 pounds soaking, but with all his gear, he's only maybe 100 pounds. And, uh... <laughs> Just getting pummeled by this girl, and uh, you know, here I am coming up on the situation, and um, don't really know what's my first day there. I don't even know why the situation kicked off. It was just we were, we were there and we were patrolling or whatever, and it just kind of, kind of happened that way. And uh, finally, get you know everything calmed down and whatnot, and, and, in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I've gotta, I've gotta get out of this situation somehow, and you know, this is later 2000s or whatnot and uh, finally i got i was applying for different stuff i don't even really know how i how i uh, found out about it but i got a call and they're like hey do you wanna you wanna go to iraq for 60 grand a year oh yeah i'm young and stupid i'll go to iraq for 60 grand a year to teach the iraqi police oh yeah anybody can do it i can do it right I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> show up to Iraq, we're <laughs> show up in Baghdad, and we're literally getting blown up the entire time we're there. Every day, incoming shootouts, incoming shootouts. Just like this is a daily occurrence. <laughs> and uh, here I'm, a, you know, I'm a police advisor. I'm not even, I'm not even there to be a uh, a combatant. Much to my newfound knowledge that day. Oh well, you're there as a combatant and uh the uh even though you're there to train some p- the Iraqi police, um well your job is to be a shooter. And so you gotta do do your thing. But it was that day too that I had uh, we were driving back from doing uh uh, analysis work for the uh, for the police advising programs and whatnot, and uh, working with the uh, military guys who were handing off the the mission because there was like a military police unit, whatever, that was training them, and they were turning it over to police advisors and whatnot. And uh, this actually goes back to MPRI and uh, the Bosnian War. And uh, MPRI had sent police advisors to Bosnia and Kosovo. So this goes way back. I probably assume MPRI was actually in Phoenix program and stuff like that in Vietnam, and they were probably training their police. I have to look it up, but I, I bet that it goes back back to them too. It's a long, long history of people who were doing that stuff. And uh, I was driving back, and Motorhead hit kind of further out behind me and whatnot. I okay, I have to drive and get to a get to a bomb shelter and finally came upon one and it blew up right exactly behind me and flew me into a concrete barrier and uh, I go in the I'm walking towards it and it just flies me in there hit the right side of my head and then hit the uh, hit the left part of my head on the ground And um, I guess I wake up about an hour later and some um, Italian or French soldier brought me into their aid station and they're doing stitches on me. And then I, uh, you know, after I'm cognizant, they sent me over to the, the U S army medical, uh, shack that they had like treat my ear and stuff like that and whatnot. And, um, oddly enough, they gave me like a bunch of drugs. that just sent me back to work. So here I am, you know, doing the, doing the odds and ends and office stuff or whatever. And trying to handle radios. And I can barely handle it. Cause it's just piercing through my ears. My ears entirely blown out and the drugs are barely working and I'm barely alive. Just, just kind of making do. And, uh, you know i didn't realize you know what really it had happened and you know i go back home and i'm just not feeling feeling as high speed as i should i'm applying for all these different jobs and things are closing up in iraq and there's this huge move to push everybody to afghanistan so we're trying to push the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people from you know iraq to afghanistan in this big huge push while they're shutting down all the major operations that we were doing in Iraq, and um, so we're applying for all these jobs and stuff, and I and I really know how how fucked up I really am, and uh, so I end up going back and trying to find positions, and you know, I find a job in a, a Afghanistan, and helping out with uh with the logistics, you know, all the police stuff kinda dried up, or whatever. And so I get there and I'm doing uh helping out with logistics work for the bomb disposal guys and it was really cool. They got a really cool mission and whatnot. We're out um in the south of Afghanistan and more of the I'd say the desertist kind of areas and whatnot where it's really shitty and more like Arizona. And uh super dry. And just crap <laughs> and uh, end up going out there and um, is actually pretty peaceful nothing really kicked off there we had a lot of good standoff which is good so that base probably had like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of acres of standoff and then um, you know various uh, little combat outposts to keep the main base safe and that sort of thing which is really good because uh, what I didn't know is when I went off to <laughs> another base, things would get even worse we're getting friggin' hit every single friggin' day and, uh, having to, uh, having to do all that stuff, which is, uh, <laughs> which is just crazy. And, uh, as the years went by, I ended up getting, uh, another contract and I was working on some equipment and my, uh, just cut my hand on some of the The equipment that i was working on severed the tendons in my hand and i uh here i am you know a a contractor i'm a military person at all and they're not really set up for this and so i end up uh getting flown out to kandahar and end up at this giant giant medical facility it's as as big as any other medical facility that you've ever seen and it's essentially bomb-proof my understanding is they they made it to where you know even if there was a bomb that hits it it can't do anything whatever Um, It's just giant concrete sand colored just huge block of a building it's ginormous and as I go in there and, um, you know, I've got my, my boss with me and, and the doc said, oh yeah, well, you know, we've stapled together the tendons. I didn't know what that meant. They had me on a ton of drugs to make sure what they gave me. And you know, I was on a ton of it, whatever it was, it was good. Cause I didn't feel a thing. And, uh, they, they were like, yeah, stay here. We have to find somebody. And, uh, thankfully my, uh, my boss, um, who I'll call Brenda the Irish the Irish honey um, she uh, she stayed there with me and said hey sit here don't do anything I'm gonna get you home and uh, so she was able to talk to some people and be like yeah we gotta get you done with surgery because you know you'll lose your arm if you don't you know do surgery you severed the tendons in your hand and you don't do that, you'll lose one function you start losing others, you start losing others you can't just cut tendons and then leave them loose, basically so uh I'm there for five seconds <laughs> they give me some injection, I don't even know what it was Um I'm freaking out boom, out, I, I do remember them putting me on the table but I was like conscious but unconscious then putting me on the table and then just nothing right and uh so then i uh, i wake up and then my uh when i woke up they had put me in like a cast and like i go to move my arm and it like slams me right in the face (laughs) like 20 pounds of plaster (laughs) like hits my nose (laughs) it's like oh crap i can't you know they gave me a, a medication that you know uh Probably a nerve, uh, a, a nerve block, a propofol, or some sort of alcohol, right to the, uh, right to the shoulder or into the arm. So you, you can't, you don't feel anything at all, and you can't, you have no control over it. Um, whatever the nerve block medication is, and uh, slams me right in the face, and it takes, uh, takes about a day to to wear off or whatever, and I, uh, I wake up and. Uh, you know, wake up again and finally feeling something or whatnot. And then, um, you know, things were, things were on the up and up. And so about, I think, uh, I think I was there for probably probably five days to a week or something like that. And, um, I get all set up to, To get ready to leave and I realized that they're flying me to do du- I think I fly to Dubai or something like that with a uh, with the EMT or something and then my connecting flight is freaking Russia so here I am I can barely use my arm or whatever and I've just had surgery, and I'm all fucked up. And I, I'm, i like, in Russia. <laughs> in the freaking airport. Like, on the Russian airlines. So, when I go to land, the Russians are clapping that we've, we're landing. Like, okay. <laughs> How often do your planes go down and that we're clapping that it's landing, okay? Like, Jesus Christ, dude, <laughs> like, I'm freaked the fuck out, right? So then, you know, here here I am going through the, the, the Boris Paul freaking airport in Moscow, wherever the hell we're at, and uh, going through the freaking airport. Wherever the Boris Paulo is, I have to look it up. And uh, going through the airport, I'm all jacked up, high on all these drugs, finally making my other flight, get the heck out of there, end up in D.C., And uh, after, I think it's like a 10-hour flight or something like that, end up in D.C., thank the Lord, and uh, go straight to the hand surgeon. And uh, he's like, yeah, I know you don't want to hear this, but I have to do another surgery on you. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I got to make sure the actual tendons are connected and that we're doing the right thing. Uh, okay, fine, let's do it. And, uh, so set me up for the surgery and everything, you know, here I am thinking, oh yeah, they did the thing, everything's going to be great. Well, no, you're going to have to go through physical therapy. Okay, fine. So I think I did physical therapy for like, had to have been three months or, or more, having to regain the use of my arm. I didn't know you know nobody had told me like hey yeah you know you fuck up your hand you're gonna have to do physical therapy and um, well you previously could lift about a hundred pounds now you can lift 20 <laughs> or less go oh, shit okay now my whole arm is atrophying and stuff like that from not using it and then it led to a frozen shoulder and um going through all this process i'm I'm learning, okay, well, I've got all these problems that are going on, and my uh my hormones are kind of crappy. I don't really know really know how to talk about it, so I'm just talking about the pain that I've got going on, and then I uh end up finding out, well, crap, I gotta get shoulder surgery because now the shoulder is impinged, and then go through all the surgery for that and didn't do physical therapy for that it just kind of went on its own i just kind of did its thing and then i uh, end up finding out that well no not only do i got that i got c4 c5 disc herniations in my spine so that's what led to the shoulder impingement along with the the messed up part of just having the fucked up hand so it'll kind of collapsed into one big problem and that all this pain is coming from that finally get the treatment that I need and didn't really solve most of the problems that I was having what I realized is that I've got something going on that the pain is not necessarily associated with what else is happening so I end up finding this uh This podcast with Dr. Mark Gordon and Andrew Marr, and they're talking about how hormones had helped them, and how they were getting treatment and stuff like that, and that uh, all these deployments are you know, related to TBI, and and that it's a brain problem or whatnot, and so you can have you know pain associated with, with um, you know lack of energy and brain fog and just these different issues. So I end up getting, uh, hooked up with this doc in, in DC and just, okay, here, we'll give you this, like, I think it was like 10,000 milligrams of, of vitamin D, which, oh God, that was just terrible. Uh. uh like, so, no, actually, 50, it was actually 50,000. So, like, so found out my vitamin D was all fucked up. Found out my testosterone was, like, 200, like, 20-something, in my 20s, like, late 20s. Like, this is not a thing. Like, you should not be that low. And uh put me on Clomid, and uh I think there was a remed in there, too. And uh didn't evaluate my thyroid at all. Didn't do growth hormone stimulation tests or anything like that. And, um, so I was doing a bunch of research. Like, okay, this is not right. Like, I don't know what's wrong with this, but this just isn't connecting. So I ended up finding this, like, family, He's like, a family medicine, uh, fellowship, and then it, he's an OBGYN by practice. It's like, okay, you know, this guy's interesting. He's got some like, the functional medicine kind of stuff and whatnot, and, you know, we get along He's a good guy or whatever, and... He keeps me on Columbus, whatever. And um, going through that, it's like about a, about a year maybe. Things are just getting progressively worse. And then I get these floaters in my eyes. And they're just problems with eye degeneration. And, and uh, shit's just not going well. And I'm getting more like... More weird symptoms that I'm just not familiar with. I don't really know how to explain it, and um, you know, realizing now it's uh, also too. I'm on the on this cortisol medication. It's not dosed correctly, and uh, so it's just all this stuff. is just feeling really strange and awkward, and um, so I'm doing as much research as I possibly can, finding out. Well, crap. Okay, this Clomid is not actually testosterone, even if it would technically work, it's not going to raise your free testosterone. So it really doesn't matter. You can you can be on like a gram of clomid. It's not going to do anything. Um, it's just not how it works. And this guy has me on a Remed-X. So all of my estrogens being crashed at the same time where I've got traumatic brain injury, and I need aromatase. I need the estradiol to then have um, any sort of homeostasis and uh, brain protective functions that happen from Esther Dial, and uh, so it's pretty much broke. You know, I was wasn't able to really work, and you know, I'm working these highfalutin consulting jobs in D.C. and just high stress stuff, and dealing with government employees or absolute shitbirds, and uh, get this one job or this really like high high level finance job, and um, I find out that the reason why this job has been open for so long is this government employee just beats up on every person that she works for screaming at the top of her lungs, bloody murder at, at, at all of her employees. And, um, you know, the first day I'm there, I'm like, oh shit, okay, I gotta get out of here. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to work with my bosses and stuff like that. And, you know, things are progressively getting worse, some degenerations happening. Uh, you know, I'm losing the ability to walk correctly and that sort of thing. And, and uh, don 't really know why, but you know there's there's major problems and uh, my hormones are also a problem too so i 'm on this you know these cortisol medications, but you know if you're in a high stress and a, well an extreme stressful situation in this case um, you're not going to go anywhere so you know I report it to the senior executive service guy, literally appointed by the president kind of person, and uh, that's not a turn phrase the senior executive person is a representative of the president so they're literally a direct representative and um they're appointed and um so I report it and I'm like you know what nope I'm out of here I'm quitting this day I am done and uh, quit and uh, while I'm there I'm packing up all my stuff she's screaming at the top of her lungs I'm like no nope, I'm getting out of here pack up all my stuff got out and uh, then went off to the office uh, for the company, and they're all like, oh, well, why did you leave? That sort of thing. Like, dude, she's literally screaming at the top of her lungs, and then they get a call from her screaming through the phone or whatever. I'm like, and you see why I left? You know, like, this is the situation I'm in. And, uh, you know, I get home, and my. I probably was in an adrenal crisis now that I know what's up. And I'm just completely done. There's just no. And two, I don't have any testosterone either, so I don't, I don't know why I'm feeling as shitty as I am, but, you know, nothing was going right. And so, I uh, I don't have a lot of money. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So, I find this bodybuilding clinic, and uh, one of the top ones, you would know who they are if I mentioned them, which I'm not. Um, they're good. So I don't want to, you know, make light of their name. They do really good work. But I go to them, you know, I have my consultation. It's like literally 25 minutes. So, you know, this, you know they give me 200 milligrams of testosterone. There's a remedex in there, which thankfully I don't take because I'm smart enough to know I'm not going to take it. And uh, that's all they gave me. So there was no, uh, no evaluation of my thyroid, no growth hormone, no real vitamin d looking at anything like that or um and also too since knowing that i'm on cortisol no evaluation of the cortisol as well so nobody had evaluated any of that and so you know i'm on this for like six months whatever, and um it's just not going right something's just wrong um i find out okay well dosing's a problem so um for me personally i'm obese and i've got you know other metabolic stuff going on and so i find out okay Doing this once or twice a week ain't working for me personally, so I go to three times a week. Still getting these strange crashes, like just huge ups and downs. I'm aromatizing the medication like super quick. And um, go to daily. Okay, it's good. I don't have the crashes, but then I don't have the energy that I need either. So I go and change to 3 ml, from 3 ml um, syringes to 1 ml. Well, I screw up. <laughs> I think that, uh, zero, I think that, uh, what was the dose at the time? So if it was 200, two, maybe 220, I, 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 can't, I forget. So it was, I forget, I think it was at 220, 220 milligrams at the time. But I went from, instead of doing point one point. 0.1.5, I thought that that meant 2 m, uh, is it 2 mLs? 0.2. Yeah, it would be 0.2. So I thought that, because well, that would be like 20 milligrams, something like that. So I went to, to 0.2, which turns out to be like 200 and something milligrams, <laughs> and, uh, end up going to, to 200 and, uh. 290 milligrams of medication per uh, per week by accident I'm like oh crap can okay, this actually feels you know decent I don't have any crashes fairly stabilized this feels pretty good do follow-up blood work my free testosterone is between like 48 and like 50 something depending on you know when you test it it's like oh you know, this is actually where I feel pretty good. I'm, you know, fairly, fairly stabilized kind of at this dose. And it just was an accident, and it just happened. And so then I find out, okay, well, I'm still getting this, like, weird energy problems, and I'm not able to really gain, lose any weight. I still have muscle loss. You know, I'm finding out, too, with my spine that I have, since I have spinal degeneration, and I've got C4, C5 disc herniations that... Growth hormone is related to spine problems, degeneration, along with traumatic brain injuries. I'm like, well, fuck. What do I? What do I do to solve this? No one's testing this. My IGF-1 supposedly says it's correct. So I find this this uh this podcast um, episode on YouTube and um, Dr. Tamara Wexler highfalutin new york i think she went to harvard i'm just gonna say she went to harvard pretty sure she did highfalutin new york doctor you know talking about how traumatic brain injury and growth hormone is a thing we treat it the same way we treat testosterone and thyroid and that she mentioned that IGF-1 was not a marker for traumatic brain injury and growth hormone because IGF-1 is a mimic, It's something that you can use, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have release of the hormone. You can still have IGF-1 that is higher, but then your actual growth hormone secretions are actually lower, and especially if it's impaired from traumatic brain injury and pituitary dysfunction. So... Find out this is the case, get hooked up with her, didn't realize, okay, well, this is not like a regular concierge doc, this is a highfalutin concierge doc, bill comes in, 800 bucks or something like that, holy crap, (laughs) here I am, broke, (laughs) don't got any real money, you know, um, I'm still fighting the government since Defense Base Act um, through the um, contractor process. When you get hurt, it's like McDonald's work comp. So, you know, I'm having to fight the insurance companies um, to get health care since I don't have Veterans Affairs benefits. I'm not technically a veteran, even though I was disabled in war. Lafayette gets his house. He's a contractor. He's a, a prince of freaking France. But here I am can't get jack shit, and, uh, so I get this bill, like, oh, crap, what am I gonna do for this, and then, uh, I just, okay, well, you have to get this growth hormone simulation test. I don't know anything about this. Don't know what it's what it is. I'm trying to read up on it. It's all this technical jargon. There, nobody's done like an actual paper that says this is what a Gok-Gokong simulation test is. This is how it works. This is what happens. I need to write this myself because no one's done it. And um, so I I go down there. and get a hotel. I didn't even look up the hotel. I'm I'm down in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, the closest hotel that I can to the place. I'm in the hood, in the ghetto again, <laughs> just bringing back memories of my time, you know, doing <laughs> police stuff, and uh, find out that here I am in the hood whatever, and I uh, got a plan to get down where I need to be, and there's just, like, hoodlums out everywhere doing their, doing their drug deals, whatever nonsense that they're up to. And uh, so drive... Drive over to the the hospital and get in there, and they're like, "Okay, well, yeah, we're gonna get you this glucagon simulation test, and uh, everything will be great." I'm like, okay, this is interesting. So, give me the injection immediately. You're in hypoglycemia. I'm like, oh crap, that's what they mean about hypoglycemia. <laughs> so, it's like you're high but then not in a good way. And then you're like, your brain's all fogged up and like, you're you're like, you can connect things, but it's just not right. And it just, just feels strange. And then, um, you kind of want to puke, but then you, don't really have that, like, other part of it, so you're just, like, nauseous without the puking part. Like, it's just strange. And so you're doing this, and they're taking blood every hour, and then, um, you know, I, I'm there for three hours, and then they're, they're gonna do the other one, like, oh no, well, the, the lab couldn't process something, whatever, so we may have to keep you here for more hours. And they call up, and, like, oh no, it'll be fine, everything'll be great. And, um, so I, uh, finally getting the last one done and then you know wasn't plenty on driving home end up in the car and I'm like I'm still fucked up and I'm like well no one's told me anything about not having food so I'm like you know I'm just gonna take some food take some more meds and get on the road and do my drive it's almost five hours or something like that it's just fucking dragging the entire time finally the medication wears off and I'm finally home Wears off, and then I wait almost two weeks to get the results back of the supergun stimulation test. Find out it's completely flat. Don't have any growth hormone in my entire body. <laughs> this is this is nuts. And uh, so my doc puts in this prescription. Month goes by, still isn't going through. Talking to the insurance company, whatever, and they're, I'm dealing with some nonsense people and overseas, and where our languages just are not mixing, and just constant issues with it. And then three months goes by, and then still there's issues, and I end up getting a uh, a service dog donated to me by uh, Operation 22. From a friend. And, uh, service dog is named Dina. She's a German short hair pointer. It's got cool, cool white spots, basically. And, um, the first day that I'm with her, she's on the lead out back of my house. It's a metal line and then there's a a rope, you know, that she's connected to. Sitting there the first day that I'm with her on the ledge. You know, I'm six feet up in the air. She comes across. The line hits across my, my chest. Flips me right over on the back of my head. <laughs> so, here's my third traumatic brain injury now. <laughs> and, uh, Yeah, I was really precarious about going to the ER because you know, I knew what was going to end up happening which will foreshadow this next part of the story and uh go look in the mirror my eyesight is looking right it's fine, I don't have any weird movements whatever, got this brain fog I feel like crap but You know, I I know what's going on. I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait until Monday so I can get x-rays done and then maybe get a a CT scan or whatever. So go over to the the doc that I've been working with for bone stuff, my osteo doc, and uh, go to try to get x-rays. Guy's out. Not even working. Nobody's there. Like, okay. And they're like, okay, well, you can go over to the, you know, acute care kind of place minute clinic basically for their shop and uh, see the doc there. So I go there, get x-rays. They don't see anything but they're like, "No, you got a head thing. You need to get a CT scan. You have to go to the ER." Fine, I'll go. Go there. Sitting there for like an hour. You know, that here I am all zonked out. You know, obviously, don't have any growth around my body, feeling like crap, and uh, put me in the CT scan. And as soon as I do that, you know, they don't help me down or whatever, and it torques my spine. Now I know after the CT scan's going through, I'm all zonked out and feeling all crappy. Well, now I've got. C three through C six herniations. When I originally had C four C five, that's why I'm in as crap much pain as I'm in. And uh tell the doc, you know, I need to, I need growth hormone, I need progesterone, I need you to put me on a ketamine IV. Didn't do none of it. He's uh, you know I'm, I'm in a crap load of pain and like barely conscious um, from when they traction my spine. And having new herniations, find out, well, this guy's trying to give me like benzodiazepines, freaking Toradol, um, and probably like an SSRI or some other crap like that. And, you know, I'm reading through when I get to the pharmacy, like what this guy's trying to give me like absolutely the fuck not like half the stuff's contraindicated for you know what what you do for traumatic brain injury like none of this none of this makes any sense like this is not what you're supposed to do and um, so day goes by and things are just getting progressively worse and I end up back in the ER again go in there and you know I tell him hey you know ketamine IV any progesterone needed you to get me growth hormone wouldn't listen to me trying to give me all. trying to give me a bunch of other stuff that's contraindicated for tbi game or what they are wouldn't even click in my brain i'm like you know what i'm just gonna take more pain meds and i'm gonna do this outpatient because you're obviously not treating me well and you're not doing what you're supposed to do so i end up uh Making a bunch of phone calls after I get out of there and drag myself home. Find some ketamine infusion places and um, roughly, hell, I was thinking it was five days after, maybe even longer. Finally get into a ketamine infusion place. And... um So, you know, I've read up on ketamine infusion therapy and, you know, I know it scientifically. It works through the NMDA receptor, which is how your body processes pain. Basically gives you an analgesic analgesic effect, lowers the glutamate in the brain, and then essentially allows you to feel good, and in our main part of traumatic brain injury treatment is to lower the glutamate so that it lowers the inflammation in the brain and the body and then provides you safety so then you can continue on with uh, with the rest of the treatment that you have to be on. Well, I knew it scientifically, but I didn't understand it in um, the realities of what happens when you're on pain management so I'm on pain drugs and then uh, what happens when you uh, you take the, the, the NMDA medication while you're on it so hook me up do the IV guys a guy's the best you can give me an IV any day he wants he slipped it right in boom he's he's running ready to go he's like hey. Soon as I flush this, you're gonna pass out. I'm like, Oh yeah, whatever, yeah, maybe. <laughs> One second. Boom, I'm out. <laughs> and uh he's talking to me, you know, a little bit. You know, things are moving and moving and moving, and we kinda wake up a little bit and then boom, I'm just fucking out. And uh then I go through the uh go through the process and, you know, you don't, you don't even realize you're there. Um, but the main part that was really tough was when, you know, I started waking up and, like, you're not conscious. And it, it was really, like, a painful feeling of, of uh, trying to wake up and get out of it, which I really did not like at all. That was part of the – because you were there, you were, like, conscious, then you are not. It was just, like, an immediate thing. And I, I didn't really – Go through anything. It was, but it was the process of waking up that was really bad, that I really didn't didn't like. And uh, then I was getting really really nauseous. I'm waking up and I'm kind of talking to my uncle um, about different things and waking up, waking up, and then it was just like a super nauseous, you know, feeling that came over me. And uh, you know, I I didn't really feel too bad. And then they got me in the car, and then got me outside to the the vehicle and just puked as soon as I walked out. (laughs) And then, uh, I'm sitting in the car whatever, getting ready to head out. And then I puke more. I'm like, Oh crap, this sucks. And, uh, I'm not, even, I'm not sure if we stopped on the side of the road i don't think we did i think we went like maybe a block or two we went to go get some gas and i'm puking in the parking lot or whatever I'm like oh crap this sucks and so they end up calling my uh, my uncle and they're like oh hey you know we forgot to give you more anti-nausea meds oh you would think you know so they just kind of screwed up on the anti-nausea stuff which <laughs> if you know when you do this as a job um you uh you give patients a ton of anti-nausea medication while you're in the hospital, but in an outpatient, you know, kind of thing, they don't really do that. Um, They kind of let you go, and you're supposed to take it with you, or you're supposed to have other anti-nausea stuff with you, but um, they don't have that kind of time since you're just doing an outpatient sort of thing. And so I'm just puking up, you know, puke my guts out, whatever. And then, uh, you know, for the first five hours, whatever, just feeling kind of, you kind of, you know, jacked up, whatever. You don't really have any, um, uh, lots of control of your bites so you're like basically drunk, you know, really, really drunk, actually, and you can't really control a lot of things, whatever. And uh, so I'm just laying down, whatever, and just, you know, the pain's kind of getting up there, and getting up there, and I'm like, okay, what's going on with this? I'm like, oh, it clicks. Yeah this drug is occupying my NMDA receptor and now I'm in a crap load of pain. Like, Oh no. Okay. Well that makes a little bit more sense. So then day two goes by finally, you know, I've, I'm out of all the pain that I was in, which is great. But then I still have this groggy kind of feeling, whatever. And, uh, just felt just kind of jacked up, whatever. And, uh, but it was like the fourth or fifth day. It was like, oh, crap. You know, I can walk around and move around. I thought not in a bunch of pain. I, uh, the analgesic effect was still there, and there was still this decrease of inflammation, and it was the first time that I had felt pain-free. I was like, oh, wow. So for patients that, you know, are not on pain management, and they actually have a, they take, you know, ketamine or whatever, and they have the, the therapy, you know, you're going to have this immediate pain relief effect. And uh, you're going to feel great because you just won't have that pain uh, since you have the NMDA receptor occupation and uh, you're just not going to feel that way. It's like, oh man, I'd love to feel like this all the time. This would be great, but I'm on pain management because I've got spinal damage and (laughs) now I've got hip damage uh, from getting blown up. And uh, so that was the ketamine side of things. I ended up going home and still don't have the growth hormone or whatever even after the two uh two months after my third traumatic brain injury and uh note to medical institutions if anything like this happens make sure you check up on the people who are doing your medical authorizations When you have acute patients make sure that they have their growth hormone prescriptions things done correctly turns out i find out the third month later that my uh, growth hormone uh, prescription authorization, someone had clicked the button that I was taking uh, medications that I wasn't taking. The Arimidex pops up again. Um, not taking that. And uh, found out that was what was going on. And uh, so uh, I end up getting with my family medicine doc who's uh, a veteran and uh, works at a regular, regular hospital. He sent me some progesterone and uh so after after doing the ketamine infusion, I end up taking uh progesterone for roughly three weeks, and I may actually continue it um depending on um the different um results of it, but um, it's another medication that drops glutamate. So the whole point of this treatment is and ketamine and progesterone is for acute traumatic brain injury to get that glutamate as low as you can, so then you stop the cytokine a chemokine process, so you stop the inflammation to the target tissues and you stop it from damaging your body and stop stopping it from uh, sending those uh, signals to then destroy your tissues. So been on the the progesterone and um, today I uh, thankfully FedEx sent in my growth hormone now that the authorization was done correctly and uh, <laughs> get the medication in or whatever and open up the pen thing I'm like oh this is t- actually terrible so you know you have to set up this the system, whatever, you know, the way that you do it through the pen, you know, it's like an insulin pen, and, uh, you know, I get this, and it's this fancy pen thing, whatever, and it's got the got the vial on top of it, and you, uh, you know, you put your needle on, and then you have to, to prime it. And I, I didn't understand what somebody was talking about when they said that they had a um, – when they set it up originally, they didn't prime it correctly. And then when they didn't do that, they – and now that I know, you actually have to turn it a multiple slots past dosing to then get to the prime button. And they didn't do that; they clicked on probably whatever the max dose is, so 10 ius, whatever, and um, just dropped twenty thousand dollars worth of medication on the ground. And uh, now it makes a little bit more sense. And I set it up and uh you know did the prime whatever and whatnot and like telling the pharmacist on the phone like you know i really should actually just get this like with the regular vial and just do this the way that you normally do where you (laughs) take your syringe and you just you know do the thing which i might end up doing this is like this is this is ridiculous this whole pen thing like you know it's all fancy and whatnot but you lose medication so when you when you prime it and then you have to get it ready it actually sprays out medication like who designed this? Like, this is terrible. And, you know, obviously there's millions of dollars on the line. So, you know, that's that's, that's what's going on. But uh, so I finally get my growth hormone, which I'm going to start taking tonight. And um it was absolutely hilarious to me. I'm like, so this whole time, you know, it was terrible. And I'm fighting and fighting and fighting. And this doc costs, you know every follow-up business or 600 bucks whatever you know and she's the top person in the country for this but you know here her own people are messing up the authorizations to do the medication and uh, you know here I'm dealing with it and having to deal with people in the Philippines and India you know who are doing the customer service for this insurance company and nobody's able to fix this until finally I'm the one who calls up and asks about the authorization and why it got denied and find out from the insurance company that well it's because they Click the button. I'm like, oh gosh, okay. So finally, get the medication today. I'm gonna start taking that. And uh, you know, through this process, you know, you know, doing the video that I had done a couple of weeks back, and about um, CTE Legacy Foundation and Wounded Warrior, we have a major problem in traumatic brain injury and we have these neurology centers for big the big medical institutions then we have trt clinics and we have psychiatry being pushed as the main fix the problems and they don't back up any of the work right they don't have any blood tests they just give you drugs and then put you in talk therapy. They can't back up any of their work. And in science, we back up all of our work. Our point is to use the scientific method, which means that we take a basis of claim, and then we test the claim through a process, and then we do an experiment, and then use our knowledge to then make science, right? Well, that's not what they do, right? Um, they just... <laughs> here's some SSRIs and lithium let's uh let's put you in talk therapy and talk about your problems and uh, if I would have went down that road you know I would be in a different place than I am but thankfully I had learned from dr. Mark Gordon and uh, applied you know his knowledge of I'm three years behind where I should be and when I when once I knew about that you know I should have been able to do the testing myself but the main issue that I find with this whole process is that from those times of doing cop work and being in a bunch of trauma various car accidents, various falls in all of this, there's not been one single center that had a nurse prac or a PA who's specifically trained to handle this. And we're gonna run your blood, we're gonna do, do a ketamine infusion, we're gonna give you some progesterone, we're then gonna take a look at all your hormones, we're gonna replace all your hormones, and we're gonna get you moving in a direction in which you can heal. There's not been one center, one place, one anything that's been able to do this. And I've tried to cobble together different doctors, build a to cobble together the knowledge that I have, but I'm a regular guy. I mean I can talk to you about you know, force on force and uh the uh the continuum of uh the, for, the force continuum of oh, if you're supposed to take out your baton, or if you take out your taser, or if you you know blast someone, or you put them in a in a, uh, a subdued hold, and you put the put your uh, your knee on their back, and you arrest them, and handcuffing techniques, and <laughs> you know the uh, finance knowledge that I've got, you know, and doing you know contracts, whatever. You know, all this knowledge has been absolutely worthless. And so I've had to, you know, cobble together all of this kind of knowledge into like a grug plumber, um, Neanderthal <laughs> way of doing things. And uh, it's only from my my sheer tenacity and being an asshole that I've uh, <laughs> been able to come together with all these uh, these kind of concepts and ideas and put them together. And um, you know, I'm hoping that it equals to something that's going to be successful in long term. And, and uh, I do have to face that may that you know, not getting treatment has uh, has done damage. But it also, is, I'm thankful that I know certain topics as well because having gone to that big appellation. University Medical Center, and that twice two doctors not having any knowledge about traumatic brain injury, and me knowing more than them, which is a huge, which is a huge problem, and them not having the ability to even treat me, and then even at the traumatic brain injury nonprofit that they have, they're not connected with the actual. It's a neurology group, and actually what I found out through this whole process is that every single place that is in the immediate area of Washington, D.C., including the VA and uh, NIH, are all neurology centers, and none of the docs are trained in hormone replacement therapy or using ketamine as a frontline treatment or using progesterone as a frontline treatment, even though NIH is the one who's pushing it, there was nowhere to go to get singular-focused traumatic brain injury treatment. And even at the AMEN clinics and stuff like that, you go in there, it's going to be a psychiatry-based traumatic brain injury treatment for a disease that has to do with inflammation. And so they might throw you in a hyperbaric chamber, but they're not going to be able to run a ketamine IV. They're not going to be able to do the hormone replacement part and run that and then be able to then stabilize you they're doing you know this magnetic resonance and w- whatever whatever stuff the psychiatrists are pushing these days and and uh, neurologists which it might help its ancillary treatments but it's not something that is really valuable to what tbi patients have going on which is acute inflammation they need to be treated with ketamine and with progesterone and then uh stabilization treatments in terms of a uh, of hormones and all of that completely fell down on its face you know I've gone through my story and hopefully this will be turned into like a real kind of documentary or whatnot I'm gonna to try to get my own uh, footage or whatnot or try to get some uh, maybe get someone to make this into something decent but I hope this story of mine kind of helps you to get the care that you need and where you don't have to go through what I did and uh, be mistreated the entire time and that you have a group of docs who can help you get to where you need to be and uh, that you don't have to suffer uh, one thing I didn't add is I'm gonna try cerebral at some point Cerebrolycine is is uh, synthesized from pig's brain. I think it's technically synthetic. I'm not sure if it still has its pig brain stuff. But basically, it's a uh, reparative technology peptide medication that you take. It was created by the Russians, I think, and then transferred to Austria. And so there's a company called Ever Pharma in Austria that makes Cerebrolycine. And you can contact the... Uh, technically, in Aust- Austrian, it'd be like Apothecary Internationales, but it's a, it's the International Pharmacy of Austria. Contact the International uh pharmacy of Austria or ever pharma directly will get you in contact with a pharmacy that's locally there and uh, basically you do this uh, an acute you would do it through an IV it's stroke treatment in over 25 European countries as the first line stroke and traumatic brain injury treatment um, but you can get this uh, outpatient as well and you just microlize the dose so then you just take it in a in a shorter format basically you take this and um, it essentially repairs the brain or restorative level and I guess you get a lot of good sleep through so, you uh, what I heard from uh, Leo on YouTube is that you uh, you'll need to dedicate some time to get like 10 or 14 hours of sleep, and I guess it like you know puts you in a reparative state and uh, you know heals your brain or whatnot. That may not that may just be for him personally. It may not happen to every person like that. Um, but then you would do that to then heal your brain, and you uh, you do those injections. Um, secondarily um, something to add as well is doing glutathione as well so you know we need good glutathione levels pretty much everybody's low so you just do it but it cleans out the body so it's the same thing we do for anybody who has an overdose of uh, acetaminophen or other types of medications you give them nac or glutathione and you do glutathione injections or do the ivs Um, and then on top of that we'd also want to add uh, I just started, actually, a couple of weeks back, um, Thymusin Alpha 1, which is uh, works on the thymus gland, and that's actually what provides you uh, immune system uh, regeneration. And so then you work with Thymusin Alpha 1 um, in the IV or in uh, intramuscular injections, and then Myers cocktail or vitamin C IVs. That's something really important to then add. So basically our whole goal is to just ramp up the immune system, to just attack anything that's bad in the body, no matter what it is, and uh, then... Especially with vitamin C, IVs it's used for cancer, um, but it's used for just regular general immunity or flus and that sort of thing. And you're able to ramp up the immune system and just kill anything that's bad through thymalfasin one and thyma alpha one, and with uh, vitamin C and glutathione injections. Very, very important. If there's anything, that's bone or. Um, gut as well we want to add body protective compound 157 so BPC 157 and you would then add that um, as well and that basically repairs parts of the body and then um, provides other immune system you know issue uh, help as well and then heals the gut which is very important so you know, when we have Uh, hypothalamus pituitary gonadal access we also have gut to brain barrier access problems as well so our goal through this you know on top of this treatment for traumatic brain injury is also heal the gut because where there's brain problems there's gut problems now then we know that there's a a general fluid access between it and there's not this oh you have a gut and you have a brain or you have a gut brain access that actually controls different processes so you want to add that you know as well um and then magnesium L3 and 8 very important and uh vitamin D and i've been pushing the new medica um, mycelized vitamin D, which means water soluble, so you can take more, and you don't have any side effects. So, you know, the side effects that I had, you know, taking higher doses, when you're taking 5,000 to 10,000 IUs, um, it's really important that you you'd go to, like, a water soluble, so you don't have to deal with uh, the side effect issues that you'd get from higher doses. I think it's through the fat metabolism part. Maybe there's something else that's giving you the side effects, but uh, taking it water soluble, I don't have those side effects, so I, I, I get really uh, good positive benefits and uh new Medica is one of the bigger brands i don't know the other ones i haven't tried them Numedica is the best for me personally it's worked um that's uh been a huge deal and then pregnenolone you know we need good pregnenolone um levels in our body it's the up part of the t- of the hormone cascade and uh it's one of the higher ones um below uh, cholesterol and something very very important that we need for traumatic brain injury uh Treatment, and uh, I had that concurrently going with progesterone. So I take proge- progesterone at night when I sleep. Um, when I originally took it, you know, the first time that I took it, I had some uh, some uh, dizziness. You know, so that's why docs say to take it at night or whatever when you go to sleep, so you don't have that feeling. And uh, I had that for the first initial week. You know, I don't I don't know when I get a new batch, if. Uh, I only had that for the first couple of days. I don't know for the, if that's just from getting used to it, or if uh, if the potency goes lower if you don't refrigerate it. So I might have I might need to refrigerate the medication. They didn't put that on there, so I'll find out through that. But I'm adding that concurrently. So technically, progesterone's downstream of pregnenolone, so you would want that to, uh, to take that. But we want to take that both. So our goal is to lower inflammation and lower um, um, the you know, the bad stuff in our body and upregulate the good things. And, uh, so we're t- I'm taking that both, and then I'm still taking 290 of, uh, to and Um, I may even try to push that higher, depending. Um, or I may end up adding, uh, Nanjulone Decanate. So I got all this bone stuff going on, you know, yeah. You know, you need some way to keep your bones moving, and uh, Nandrolone Decanate puts Synovial Fluid in the joints and, and helps your, your bones and stuff like that, um, which is really good. Um, but obviously you can't push the doses, it's just too high, because Deca can give you uh, um, some issues with your libido and, um, and uh, just different... Uh, issues or whatnot, so it's better to kind of keep it lower and the the normal dosing is 100 milligrams to 200 milligrams Concurrently with testosterone so you'd want to kind of you don't want to that's very precarious You want to work go low and slow with that with your doc, but you know, so I'm so currently taking that um, for my treatment and uh, very huge as well adding D-ribose for your ATP production so my understanding with ATP is that it directly works on the mitochondria, and part of our immune system, and part of our process for the body, and then healing is mitochondrial function, and that's impaired when you have traumatic brain injury. So it's not really talked about as much. I'm not really sure why. I think maybe other docs are probably pushing something else for ATP. I don't know what it is, but um, D-ribose is cheap. You know, it's, it's, a, it's technically a sugar or a saccharide, but it's not like a real sugar. It's... It's a chemical like that, but it basically um, actually tastes like sugar, which is kind of cool. So it actually has kind of a similar taste. And uh, I think it's technically made from corn, actually. But um, yeah, you take D-ribose, uh, two, almost two tablespoons, so one and a half. I think it's technically like, like, 1,600 milligrams. Um, so I just take two tablespoons of that. And uh, you take that twice a day, and that feeds your mitochondria to give you energy and uh, repair that, because when you damage that function through traumatic brain injury, you have to regain that, or you're just going to have very bad downstream effects or whatnot. Um, So I've been doing that, and uh, adding L-citrulline for kind of general nitric oxide, um, more vascularity sort of stuff, uh, the move things around. When I originally was getting dialed in on different dosages, um, your body metabolizes testosterone and wants to to utilize more oxygen, and so your blood. I'm not sure. How, you you're we're more vascular so you want to be able to to move the blood more more fluidly and that's done through my nitric oxide. I don't really have those issues now but I still kinda take it every now and then you know which which has been working out pretty good and uh, has been really successful. Um you know I think I'm gonna end it here. Um hopefully this gets chopped up instead of my Pauses or other stuff will be taken out, but um, this is my uh, traumatic brain injury story. And uh, I hope everyone else has success in theirs and that you can take what I've done and apply it to what you've got going on and succeed because you don't need to feel like shit, you can get better. And you can find a way to then get health healthy without having to be on lots of drugs um, that have lots of side effects. You can do that without um, these heavy psych drugs, and you can do it without being a victim. If you want to go through talk therapy, go through talk therapy. But my opinion, it's worse. And uh, as men with TBI... Our goal is to get better, team up, and conquer the world. Maybe for women, you know, who want to go through talk therapy and want to do that, hey, that's what you're you're about. But um, as I see it, we're a warrior culture as Europeans, and uh, our goal is to conquer. Conquer life, conquer the world, and uh, succeed. I... uh, Hope you guys enjoy this and get better. This is Brad from TRT for Warriors, and please join the Facebook group. TRT for Warriors on Facebook. Tell your friends. Thank you.